business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All shows can be heard live here exclusively on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience, of CEOs running middle market firms to improve your decision-making skills. Today we have a featured guest. Mike Carroll is the founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. Mike, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Richard. Thanks for inviting me on. It's great to have you. And why don't we start very simply, Mike, if you could tell our audience a little bit about your professional background, kind of your path to Intelligent Conversations, I think that's a great place to start. Well, sure, that'd be great. So my entire career has been in sales, sales management, and product management, which really product managers actually have a dual sales role. They're often in front of clients, but also selling and competing for internal resources. Uh, And my um, industry path was either software or financial services. So I spent time as a business banker and also uh, selling software. And in fact, my last job before starting my consulting firm nine years ago, I was selling software to banks. So it got to come full circle. (laughs) That's interesting. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, I spent much of my career in sales and sales management and sales leadership positions. And there, there is a difference, isn't there, between product management, marketing, and sales and sales management? Oh, there sure is. And, you know, I think, although I'll tell you that I think the product management role is probably one of the most challenging uh, out there in terms of you've got to sell internally, you're competing for resources and attention and trying to get, you know, your priorities accomplished. And then you're put in front of customers always in the most difficult situation. Either there's a there's an issue or maybe you're selling a new product and you've got to convince them of the need before they'll even look at it. So I think it really kind of brings, you know, all of those skills, both sales and marketing, kind of come together in that role. I always felt a certain um, empathy for the product managers whenever they would come to our uh, sales meetings to unveil a new product or give us an update on a software or something uh, in a technology realm because I I thought some of the toughest audience were the salespeople who either really weren't interested during the time or were so interested that they were asking such level of questions that sometimes it seemed to be almost be unfair of, to have to have the product manager to address some of the questions that came unfiltered from the from your own salespeople. You know, you're right, and, and I, I think sometimes it's almost like a, a, it can be a therapy session for the salespeople. Right? Let, me, let me throw every objection <laughs> exactly. and ridiculous question I've gotten, and let's see how you handle it. Right? Yeah. Now it's my turn to be unreasonable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. All right. Uh, this is Mike, this is great so far. I appreciate you being on the show. I am speaking with Mike Carroll, founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. Let's talk about your firm, Intelligent Conversations. Let's start by asking you to talk about the particular focus of the firm and what makes Intelligent Conversations different. In other words, 
Why do clients choose to do business with your firm? Great question. So our focus, uh, we're really focusing on middle market, business-to-business companies. So I define middle market broadly as companies with, say, annual revenues between $10 million and $500 million, okay? And I think more narrowly, if I were purchasing a list or kind of if I had to tighten that up a little bit, I would say our sweet spot is really in that $20 million to $60 million annual revenue range. Uh, a common thread through all of our clients, you know, 99% of our business is uh, serving companies who sell business to business. We've got a few examples of business to uh, consumer or retail type situations, but for the most part, it's complex business to business sales, long selling cycle, you know, challenging kind of environment. Uh, the other, the other common thread, I guess, is you know, again, 95% of our clients are are selling directly. They have a direct sales force. We've done some projects where there's a channel um, where you're trying to influence distributors, um, but for what we do, we really can have a much bigger impact when we're working directly with a sales organization that you know that is part of their company. Uh, and as far as what differentiates us, I, I would say you know there are a million sales trainers in the world. There's a bunch of sales coaches. You know, one of the questions when we went through the Great Recession, one of the qualifying questions CEOs would ask me is, well, how long have you been in business? And when I could say, well, I started in 2004, I got, I got the green light. They're, oh, okay, great. Because I think what happened is a lot of sales managers lost their job, 2009, 2010, and they hung up their shingle and they tried to be a sales coach. And some of them made it, so good for them. But I think what differentiates us is we take a data-driven approach to solving the, the gnarly sales problems that people can't get their heads around. So we, you know, unlike many sales trainers who are focused on how do I get people in the classroom or how do I get as many people to buy our product as possible, I'll actually do a deep analysis of your sales organization before we even engage. And we'll look at each individual on your team. We'll look at your systems and processes. We'll look at your strategies. We'll look for misalignment. But one of the things that we'll do that I think separates us from a lot of people is we'll actually tell you, which of the people on your team, sales leaders, salespeople, um, sometimes we get into customer service areas or, or uh, account service areas, we'll say, okay, which of these people are capable of change? So are they coachable? Are they trainable? And then also, what kind of return can you expect on your, on your investment in this? If you're going to develop this person, can you get a high return on that investment? So and we, we've got all sorts of things that we look at, and we, we know we've got a pretty good track record of saying, okay, if they have these kinds of weaknesses, you know, our track record shows we can have this kind of effect, and we can actually measure and project. And, you know, this is going to be, you know, this, this is the kind of return on investment you can expect if your people can make these changes. That's, so I think that's probably our biggest differentiator is that data-driven approach. And I, I want to ask you a follow-up question then on that relative Please. to the uh, being data-driven. How do you accumulate? We have about a minute left before our next commercial, so it might be unfair, Mike, to ask you this, and we can carry it over after the break if you prefer. But sure. how did you build a database that allows you to, uh, you know, to put your your clients' sales force against that database to know how they kind of fit and and profile? Well, let me give you the quick answer, and then if we need to, we can pick it up again after the break. But one of our strategic partners is a company called Objective Management Group. And Dave Curlin founded it, and he's been doing this for 21 years. Um, but their database is comprised of, you know, boy, the last number I heard, it's probably larger than this now, but, you know, I think it was 
250, 300,000 different individual salespeople have taken his assessment and, and have input uh, data into their tools, some oh. 30,000 organizations, all different industries, all different size companies. So very robust data set. And then we can look at that and say, okay, here are the common traits and here are the different weaknesses that we know we can impact through development and coaching and training. And when you fix those, this is the kind of improvement we can expect. Got it. Okay, well, that was you, you, you nailed the time, too. You should maybe consider doing radio yourself since you have a good internal <laughs> clock as that goes. I'm talking with Mike Carroll. He is founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. And we're going to take our break. And when we come back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start to peel the onion back with you about what CEOs are seeing as some of the biggest challenges and frustrations when it comes to managing and growing and developing their sales staff. I know you have five areas that I'd like to cover with you, so we're going to take a bite at some of those areas during the next uh, segment. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. I'm talking with Mike Carroll of Intelligent Conversations, and we'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsor. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. If you came back from lunch today and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? More importantly, what are you doing to prevent this situation from happening in the first place? We work with business owners like you every day to design plans that attract, motivate, retain, and reward key employees. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact Bill Black, the exit coach, at 866-370-3774 for a free consultation on how to retain and reward your key employees. That's 866-370-3774. Call today. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I would like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 11,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. Of course, all of our shows can be heard live here on Internet radio station OCTalkRadio.net 
or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Our guest is Mike Carroll. He is the founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. Before the break, Mike, I said we were going to start to attack some of the five areas that you see are challenges for CEOs of middle market firms. Um, can, let, let's begin and see how far we get on, on this segment talking about these challenges. So terrific. So, um, you know, before we do that, let me just say from a um, uh, an area of focus, because I think, I think there's some common areas that then we'll drill down on each of these five. So okay. when we work with an, an organization, we're usually focused on three very simple areas, but many companies get them wrong. It's it, First area is the people they have on their team, right? Do you have the right salespeople? Do you have the right sales leaders? Have you select, is, is your selection process up to par? Uh, we also work with companies on their systems and then also on their strategies. Just, so just think people, systems, and strategies, and then we can drill into each of these areas and kind of talk about how those areas impact each of these challenges that we see. Okay. Let's do that then. So, so, so terrific. So um, the, first, the first biggest challenge we often see is, uh, and the frustration I see from CEOs, is not enough new business, not enough new opportunities. You know, there's just not enough happening in the pipeline. And, you know, in our experience, there can be, you know, all kinds of reasons why the sales force isn't finding enough opportunities. It could be, um, you've got the wrong people. It could be that you're not bringing them on correctly. <clears throat> it could be a messaging issue. You know, we one of the things we'll ask when we do the initial upfront analysis of a sales organization is we'll ask the salespeople participating in the study to tell us their elevator pitch and tell us their value proposition and, and explain in layman's terms exactly what their firm does. And you wouldn't believe the wide range of answers we get. I mean, it jumps right off the page as far as the, the disparity in that. So when you think about how do we get more consistent revenue growth and how do we get appointments with the right kinds of targets, you know, that messaging consistency is there. It could simply be that you've got your, your, your people don't have the right skills. They, they, they may have the talent and the passion for it, but they just don't know how to do it very well. They may not, you know, have the skills to actually, you know, prospect and, and, and get referrals and build their, build their pipeline and, and book appointments. Um, we often see a commitment problem. We'll see things go in waves. People will, uh, will prospect until they're full, and then they kind of coast. Right. And so there isn't that consistency. You get this sort of roller coaster effect. So you have a bunch of opportunities, and then you kind of have a, a trough, and then an, another wave of activity starts. Again, that could come back to sales management, ineffective sales management is the other area. So all of those issues kind of tie back to, hey, do we have enough activity at the top of the sales funnel to drive the revenue growth that we want, to drive the sales numbers that we need. Hey, Mike, if I could, because I, I, I want to, I think it, uh, I like what you're saying, and, and I feel that we can have a conversation about each of these five then. You know, on this first point, as you were explaining, here is the problem and here are the potential causes of the problem, it, it, it takes me back to realizing how complex managing a sales organization can be and how many times CEO of middle market companies, especially if they hadn't come out of the sales arena, find this to be either very taxing or somewhat foreign or almost 
overly complex for what they assume the sales organization and the sales function should be for their organization. Do you, does that make sense to you and match with your experience? No, it makes absolute sense, and, and we see that happen all the time. People who maybe they, they came up through the, their career in maybe with a finance background or operations background, and all of a sudden they're running the company or they start a company and they're growing it, and they're like, they, they get the initial sales kind of themselves because they have the passion for it, but as they scale, they, they can't keep doing that. And, and sales is like this black box. They don't understand it. They don't really want to know. They don't want to ask too many questions because they're afraid of the answers they'll get. And they just hope that, you know, the numbers that they need at the end of the quarter are there. And, you know, I often, I often give the example of, you know, imagine my, my, my daughter um, played basketball, and I was an assistant coach, right? And we were a lousy team, and I was a lousy coach as far as basketball. My, my basketball skills are weak, but... You know, I would, I would always say, imagine coaching a basketball game by only watching the scoreboard and not watching what's happening on the floor. Hmm. What can you say at halftime? You only know, hey, we're down by five or we're up by two. And so when, you, when I see middle market CEOs who are only focused on the result and they're focused on, hey, we didn't get our sales, what are we doing? Instead of focusing on, are we making enough calls? Are we getting enough introductions? Are we calling the right kinds of people? You know, if I look at the, the appointments that we're setting, are, are we getting to the right people in the target organizations, or are we calling the people where we're comfortable calling? Right. You know, a lot of salespeople will just call, you know, where they'll call to their comfort level rather than calling the decision maker or the higher level person who can actually make things happen. And so those are some of the things we see. And you're exactly right. The, the, I think it, for many CEOs, it's just sort of a mystery. They're not really sure where to look. And when you're dealing my, when you're dealing with a sales organization, it it can quickly get overwhelming for a CEO who doesn't have a sales and marketing background because you have to be willing to listen to the stories and make decisions based on what you hear. It does take, in my experience, a certain amount of acumen and patience to be able to clearly sift through the reasoning that the sales organization and salespeople have to come up with what you believe is the right message because you can ask, in my experience, you can ask five salespeople for the same company the same question, mm-hmm. and you may get five very different and somewhat compelling answers. And trying to figure out, okay, who's the right one here, it, it can be challenging for a CEO of a middle market company. Well, you're exactly right. And you're being generous, by the way. If you asked five salespeople, you'd get ten different answers. So that's right. Which one do you believe? I got two versions. Which one? Which one do you like the best? Yeah, exactly. Which one do you want to hear today? I'm equally so, comfortable well, with both of them. <laughs> so, okay. from a practical perspective, you know, because I always come back to okay, so we're talking about the the, the lack of new activity. Um, one of the things that everybody listening today can do, right? So, how do you put this into action? One of the things, just start to spot check appointments that are on your salespeople's calendars. Okay. And ask them a very simple question. Tell me why. They invited us in for a conversation. Tell me what business problem this prospect has that made them carve out 45 minutes on their calendar to invite you in to have a conversation. And you'll be shocked because, you know, even people who are in our program and have been through our whole system and they know, you know, they know I'm going to ask that question. Um, I, I had a conversation just yesterday, a coaching call with the salesperson, and, and I said, okay, tell me what, what the purpose of the meeting is. And they were so excited that they've, they've been trying to get into this company, and someone finally said, yes, come on in. I said, okay, what problem are we there to solve? And just dead silence on there. And they're like, you know what? I, oh, you caught me. 
And I'm like, I'm not trying to catch you, but remember, we're, we're there for a purpose. We're there to have a conversation, hopefully an intelligent conversation, about a business problem that they viewed as important enough to want to invite you in to, to have a conversation about it. And, and so if you start, you know, so if you're a CEO listening to this and you think, okay, maybe, I, maybe my, the quality of the appointments my sales team is going on isn't where it needs to be, you know, one thing you can do is just start to say, okay, tell me about your, tell me about your best appointment this week. Okay, and now why were we invited in? What problem do we solve? And you'll, you'll hear all sorts of different things, but you'll rarely hear, well, no, they have this problem, and this is exactly why we can solve it. Which, from what, the way you're saying that, I take it to mean, and I would agree with you if, you, if this is your point, there, you need to know why you're going in so that you can craft your strategy around solving that problem, right? Because salespeople are problem solvers. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, the whole, yes, exactly. You know, but, but what you'll hear and what I hear sometimes when I'm first coaching someone else, they tell me why we're going in. Oh, well, you know, I have a good relationship with them. Okay, well, that's great. Glad to hear it. But that isn't really a compelling reason. So, so what was the issue that we can solve? And usually it comes down to, you know, they're, they're having some sort of a, a, a problem, whether it's a financial problem or a, a, a process problem. You know, it kind of depends on your business. But, you know, our clients um, in all different areas, it usually comes down to, you know, time, money, maybe in some cases regulatory concerns. But find that one hook that they'll say, you know what, I, you know what, I don't know that I have that under control. I would like to have you in and, and learn more about how you could help me with that. I'm talking um, with Mike. I guess the other thing you... I'm sorry, I'm I, sorry, was, I was just to let people know who they're listening to. It's Mike Carroll. He's the founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. And, Mike, so we're talking about five challenges. We, we, we spent a, a time talking about not enough new business. I have about two minutes left before our next break. I'm wondering, could, could we talk about... Your second point, which I see is ineffective sales coaching? Yeah, and that, that, that kind of builds on what we were just talking about. So one of the things we see is sales managers who are not effective at coaching. And so the dialogue we just went through, you know, inspecting, hey, what's the point of this meeting? What business problem were we invited in to discuss is an example of that. You know, one of the changes that we've seen is the sales manager role has really morphed over the last, say, five years, maybe ten years back. It started to happen from more of a supervisory kind of accountability role to really, you know, effective sales managers have to be a really good coach and, and really should spend about half of their time coaching their salespeople. And when I say that number, 50% of the sales manager's time should be spent coaching. People kind of think about it and they go, geez, how many of my managers are spending, you know, 20, 25 hours a week in coaching conversations? And, you know, and then when they, even if they're spending that much time, how effective are they? And so what, what makes a sales coach effective is when they can impact every deal and when they can leave the salesperson coming back wanting to come back for more coaching. Hmm. And so when you, have, when you have sales managers who are asking the right kinds of questions, challenging assumptions that people are making, um, their ability to drop into role play and kind of do different scenario planning, those types of um, coaching scenarios and dialogues, effective pre-call planning, debriefing after a sales call. Tell me the best thing that happened on that call that you want to repeat going forward. Tell me the thing that you didn't do so well that you want to work on or do better. Let's talk about that. You know, if that kind of conversation isn't happening in your company, whether it's your sales manager, a lot of, them, a lot of the people listening are probably the sales manager by default. You know, we have a lot right. of clients who are 10, 15, 20 million where 
you know, they have five or six salespeople, and the CEO is, is also that sales manager by default. So right. that's the other challenge we see, and I, we may be running out of time now, but that's um, that's a that's another large challenge we see with with CEOs. They just they don't feel like their ma- their team is making progress, and usually that comes back to ineffective coaching. Okay, we're we're talking with Mike Carroll, and he is the CEO of Intelligent Conversations. We're going through his experience as it relates to middle market CEOs and some of the biggest challenges and frustrations they see with their firm sales efforts. We come back. We have three more to, to talk about, and then I've got some other questions that I want to get to during the, uh, the the next phase of the interview here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back after these words from our commercial sponsor. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO peer groups. CEO peer groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of the program. We delivered over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions last month. To learn more, contact Rose Chamora at 
951-515-4661. All shows can be found on our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Mike Carroll is our featured guest here on today's program. He is the founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. We're talking about some of the biggest challenges that CEOs of middle markets face when they're leading and growing and managing their sales force. Let's talk about the third one that you've discovered in your work with these companies, Mike. Well, sure. So, so you know, in this in this segment, let's we'll, we'll cover the last th- the, the next three and, and what you know. The, the third one is delayed closing or, or, or longer sales cycles. You know, uh, and then and then I also want to cover. Uh, excuse making and accountability, and then also sales hiring. So number three is is uh, delayed closings. And uh, I can't tell you when I ask a CEO about this, the frustration I hear in their voice when they tell me about the sales meeting they were at two weeks ago, where they looked at ten opportunities that were rated at ninety percent probability of closing, and they come back two weeks later. And nine of the ten opportunities are still at ninety percent, and they think, "What's going on? Why isn't this happening?" And usually, when that happens, it goes all the way back to the beginning of the sales process. When we talked about not enough new appointments, and I said, "Well, one of the things you can do is inspect what's the reason." If you're if you're going in, and you're just having a happy conversation. You're not really focusing on the prospect's problems, and then if you're not asking enough questions during a discovery conversation to figure out, okay, so what's the impact of this problem? Uh, what what kind of impact is this having on your business? What is this doing in terms of financial impact? What is this doing in terms of opportunity cost? How is this impacting your people and your processes? If your salespeople aren't having those kind of conversations earlier in the process, deals will get stuck at the end because they haven't done an effective job of building the case and creating urgency for the prospect to want to take action. And, right. you know, a lot of times it, it, it could be a number of factors. It may be an ineffective sales process. It may be that your salespeople are afraid to ask for the business. Uh, they may have um, a high need for approval, and they just enjoy the fact that, hey, this is somebody who's talking to me. I can have this comfortable conversation. I don't have to actually ask them a question where they could say no. And so I just kind of hope that they close themselves. Um, you know, it could be any number of things. Often, you know, you, you'll get down to a pricing battle. They'll say, well, you know, we really like you, we really like your firm, but, boy, we wish you were discounting. And, you know, many of your salespeople, for the listeners out there, are going to say, hey, I can get this, but we gotta, we got to sharpen our pencil. And I always say, no, this is, you know, that's a, that's a sign that something broke down earlier in the process. So whether that's your sales managers aren't coaching them effectively when they're having those earlier conversations or whether you've got the wrong strategy and you're not talking to the right people, or if it's, you know, you've got the wrong people in your sales organization, they have, you know, weaknesses like need for approval or other things that are getting in their way for asking for that business. Those are usually some of the signs or some of the, some of the um, challenges we see behind that, you know, inability to, to shorten the sales cycle and actually close business. Yeah, it's amazing um, to and, me. And, you know, I guess, I guess the remedy, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the, you know, the, the, it, it, it's it's a challenge even when uh, when I was a sales manager the long sales cycles because as you know in your experience the numbers roll up right and so you're getting uh, numbers from your people and commitments and maybe you're the manager who works for the CEO and you've got to give her the numbers it, there's a certain amount of you know minimize their personal and professional risk but at the end of the day 
even with people shaving what they were told, you know, kind of managing the data and the information, it still can seem like a deal can be on the to-be-closed file for months sometimes at a very high probability with no clear reason why it hasn't been able to close yet. Right, right. You know, and so, so one of the things you can do if you're listening about this is, you know, I guess, well, first, one of the questions I'll ask a CEO when we're having this conversation is, okay, when you look at your sales forecast, how much do you discount it by? And, and usually they'll kind of smile and look down at their shoes and say, well, you know, I, I usually cut it in half because that's about right, you know, or whatever the number is. You know, and one of the things, one of the things you, can, you can do is make sure if you're a sales coach or if you're the CEO Make sure that your people are talking to the ultimate decision maker. Never take a no from someone who doesn't have the authority to say yes. I think too often we have salespeople who just get to their comfort zone and they're, okay, I'm talking to Bob in purchasing. And, and really the person I need to be talking to is the division manager or somebody higher up who actually has the budget. So, so that's, they, that's one of the issues. Mike, how do they do that without alienating their... Uh, inside contact, maybe their coach, you know, the person that that's kind of representing their interests. How, how do you how do you get around that mid-level manager who isn't the ultimate economic buyer or final decision maker? Great question, and it's tricky and it's, and it's situational. So it really depends on uh, on the on the specific sales situation. But in general, um, one way to do it is to start start at a higher level to begin with. You know, so so don't call purchasing. Call you know, call the person who's likely to be the end user. Another another question I love to ask as a qualifying question is, okay, so tell me about the last time you purchased a piece of equipment like this, or the last time you hired a consultant like me. Who was involved in that process? You know, the last time you rolled out new software like this. Tell me about how that went. Who was involved in the decision process? How do you guys reach a consensus? And that'll give you a sense of when you take them back, you're not talking about your specific deal. Now you're just trying to get context for, okay, the last time you did something similar, who was involved, and is that somebody I should, I should also be talking with? And, of course, the purchasing people are going to want, no, 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 I'll, I'll do that, I'll do that, and say, okay, but you know, then, then you, you've got a couple options, but you can take them down a path where you start asking them questions that they, they don't know or they can't answer and say, you know, wouldn't it be more efficient if I just talk directly to that person? Right. Or do you want to be there? How can um, I help you? Right. And, and you know, th- those are some of the things. Again, it's going to depend on the situation, but those are some of the ideas. Okay, Mike, I've got about uh, two minutes left here in this break, and I'd like to ask if you could, if we could cover your final two challenges that you've seen, excuse-making, lack of accountability, and hiring mistakes. Can you do that in the two minutes we have left? <clears throat> well, I'll go fast as, right, as fast as I can, right? So, so accountability, I mean, look, I think that um, you, you've got to have a team you know, comes back to the people where they're self-aware enough to recognize the role they play in the results they produce. That's it. I mean, you've got to recognize the role you play in the results you produce. So when something goes wrong, do you look to blame others? Do you look, oh, our marketing isn't right, or the customer lied to me, or the competition lowballed us, or, or you know, our company reputation is in the tank, or whatever? Or do you look internally and say, hey, what could I have done better? You know, could I have asked better questions? Could I have maybe called a broader range of people in the company? And so that that sort of internal accountability Mm. and having everybody on your team always looking inside what could I have done rather than who can I blame. And then the the fifth area, which we could do a whole radio show just on this, is 
the challenges of hiring strong salespeople. Salespeople sell, right? So they interview really well. And so we have all sorts of, of human resources people that we'll work with who are satisfied with all the people they've placed and their effectiveness hiring other positions. But when it comes to hiring salespeople, you, you see a lot of mishires. And, and frankly, you know, the cost, there's a, a stat, you know, the cost of a mishire is like 2x the salary or whatever. I think it's even bigger for salespeople because these are customer-facing people. They can burn through market opportunity. Um, it's, it's a real problem. Um, one of the things that we, you know, that we do with our clients is we actually teach them a, a you know, very rigorous sales hiring system. You're putting salespeople under a little bit of pressure. You're changing topics quickly. You're challenging them in a way they're not used to being challenged. It's not a typical interview. You're really almost taking them on a test drive, tr trying to simulate some of the situations they're going to encounter when they're in the field on a sales call. And when you can get that kind of rigorous process in place, your sales selection is going to get a lot better, and you're going to start to weed out some of the, some of the people who can easily bluff a typical interviewer mm. um, and, and sell themselves but won't be able to effectively represent your firm and sell your product or service. It all starts with your hiring process and knowing what you're looking for and being able to find it, doesn't it? Because everything else, you're, you're, you're delta off of, off of that first decision about the people that you brought into the company. Excellent. That's exactly right. All right, Mike Carroll, we're going to have you back for the final section here and segment here on Critical Mass Radio Show today. Uh, Mike is the founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about your blog. I know that you have a blog. You title it CEO Sales Guide, and I'd like to kind of have you explain what we can find on that blog, who should maybe subscribe to it, and uh, we'll have a conversation about that when we return. Okay, Mike? Sounds terrific. Thank All right. you. All right. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsor. There's something uniquely positive about the word up. When things are good, things are looking up. When you want to go fast, you speed up. And when you're really cheering, you stand up. So when you want to move up, what do you do? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's degree or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up better than virtually everyone else. And that university is Brandman. Brandman University is ranked by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's top ten universities for online bachelor's programs. And it ranked best in the state of California. Brandman also received top honors from U.S. News & World Report for our online graduate programs in business and education. Plus, our programs are available on ground at more than 25 convenient campuses. So to wrap things up, we recommend you look us up at brandman.edu. That's brandman.edu. And find out how to move up like never before. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business -business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. 
Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 11,000 shows during the last 30 days. We here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live here on radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Mike Carroll is our featured guest today. He's founder and CEO of Intelligent Conversations. Before the break, Mike, I said I was going to ask you to share a little bit about your blog. Tell us about what you write. First of all, why did you start doing a blog, and what kind of information do you write about? It's a great question. So, so I've been blogging for about a little over five years, and you know, it really kind of started with. Um, you know, conversations I was having with clients, and I'd, I'd say something and say, well, yeah, that's really good, and, and it was, it, you know, I kept getting good feedback from conversations. I thought, well, you know, I should start to capture this and write this down. Um, we also, you know, we do a lot of inbound marketing, and so that's one of the ways that we get our opportunities, so that, that all ties together. Uh, and, and so I, we could almost title this segment, though, you know, Confessions of the Intermittent Blogger, because I, I wish I could say I've been consistent um, and, and, you know, putting a, a consistent post out every week. But, we, you know, we've had various um, times where I get super busy and engaged with, with a client or, a, you know, just busy time where I'll take a little spell. But over the last five years, I think we've got, you know, probably 70 different posts. And typically we are writing about topics like we're talking about today, the challenges I'm seeing in my clients, the issues and, and frustrations I hear, um, we are writing to a CEO audience, uh, and we try and make it very practical. So, uh, and, and not not academic necessarily. Very, you know, here here's a challenge we're seeing. Here's a story I, I'll share without revealing a client name. But you know, here's a situation a client of mine was in, and we, we we try and make it actionable and practical. So we have a lot of free resources, a lot of you know worksheets and things that you can actually take into a sales meeting and and deploy. In your organization, we make that all available, you know, free. So um, that's a little bit about our blog and and how we started it and and some of the topics that we're writing about. That's interesting, and I think um, being able to communicate directly with your clients but also creating creating content that may attract prospects. Inbound marketing is a a powerful tool that more and more middle market CEOs are discovering as a way to bring semi-qualified opportunities into the sales funnel at least people are making the effort to visit your site and download information. It's really imperative, though, that the that the company knows that and then uh, activates off of that in, in hopes that there may be a large opportunity or some opportunity on the other side of that interest, isn't there? Absolutely. You know, and it's it's really, you know, back, back to the first point of challenges, not enough new appointments. I, I think that inbound marketing can be a key strategy. I also would say that, um, your salespeople still need to pick up the phone. You know what I mean? I, 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 I had lunch with the CEO a couple of weeks ago, and he said, boy, we're, 
we're getting all sorts of, of white paper downloads and, and, and this kind of stuff off our website. And, and the reaction from our team is to email them and kind of follow up. And, and that may be appropriate for the first, you know, hey, thanks for downloading this. But, you know, you still have to have that conversation. Hey, tell me, did you like that white paper? Tell me what you learned from it. What, what was it that interested you? Why, you know, tell me about your situation. What prompted you to want to download that? Mm-hmm. And, and still uh, it's about engaging them and, and getting into an intelligent conversation. You know, Mike, this isn't a question that maybe we were planning to ask you, but it's one that, um, given the fact that we've spent so much time with you, I'm curious about, you know, I like to ask a number of my business owner CEOs of companies to share with me their guiding principle. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've learned a lot of life experiences and business lessons, and, uh, you know, some are better than others, but many times the guests have kind of developed an overarching belief system, either about how they deal with their clients or how they're running their business, and and we've branded that here on Critical Mass Radio Show as our guest guiding principle. So I know I'm kind of asking you cold this question, but when you look at how you're leading and growing intelligent conversations, do you have a guiding principle that you could share with our audience? I do. So, and I don't know if I can say it, like, you know, in a, like a, a bullet point worthy of putting on the wall, but it, it basically comes down to our passion and our desire to help people. You know, we believe that that every sale, sale begins with a conversation, and there's so much that goes into having a good conversation. And, and, you know, when we can help companies grow by having everybody in their company, and, and especially their salespeople, customer-facing people, have intelligent conversations and have better conversations, ask better conversations, ask better questions, um, you know, that's really our guiding principle. We want to help make middle market companies more valuable. And so, you know, you get a dozen investment bankers or or equity guys in the room, you say, how do you value a company? You'll get 25 different formulas, but all of them come back to uh, revenue, some factor, you know, multiple of revenue or multiple of EBITDA or whatever it is. But if you can help middle market CEOs and their sales organizations have better conversations, ask better questions, get out of their comfort zone and call higher than they're comfortable calling and go into conversations deeper than they've gone before, you're going to grow revenue and not just adding revenue to add revenue for adding revenue's sake, but getting the right kind of revenue. That's what gets me going in the morning. That's what I'm passionate about. When I can, you know, see an organization improve and when I can see even down to the individual sales, I've got loads of stories about salespeople who, you know, have made a dramatic impact on their life and on their career and, and they're grateful for it. I mean, that's, that's really our passion. That's, so I don't know if that qualifies as a guiding principle, but that's really what, what makes us tick at Intelligent Conversations. Yeah, that's excellent, uh, and thank you for sharing that. I, uh, in that answer, it led me to a kind of a follow-up question and kind of an observation, and it may be counterintuitive for those who aren't in sales, but if you're a CEO of a middle market company, uh, Mike, you've said both in that answer and in previous answers, the importance of asking good questions, and and I and I think the role of the salesperson on the sales call is to ask thoughtful questions that allows the customer to explain the situation fully. That's your job, not to talk and sell your company, but to understand what's going on with your client or prospect, at least, to better understand if your company even has an opportunity to help them. Well said, Rick. I mean, I would say if, if, if people listening forget everything else we've talked about and they remember what you just said, it's that ability to facilitate a conversation 
by asking good, thought-provoking questions. You know, your goal in a, in, a, in a sales conversation should really be to take them through a conversation they've never had before, mm-hmm. to get them to look at their business challenges or problems differently. And, you know, I think salespeople sometimes think, well, I have to show my expertise. Right. I have to tell them how knowledgeable I am about this product <laughs> or about this market segment. And, and really, you know, you make a much better impression when you ask the couple questions, and they don't have to be complex questions, they can be very simple, straightforward questions, and, and little helper questions to kind of keep them going. But when you, when you have a conversation like that, that prospect is going to think of you very differently than all the other salespeople who come in and waste their time. And that's really what it comes down to is that, that ability to ask good, thought-provoking questions that make them think differently. All right, Mike. If someone wants to learn more about intelligent conversations, you as the founder and CEO, Mike Carroll, how do they find you and your firm online? Well, thank you for uh, for asking. So, um, you know, and actually, we set up a little landing page. So we and we have a we have a little free giveaway. So if if the listeners want to go to intelligentconversations.com slash critical mass, so intelligentconversations.com conversations, plural, intelligentconversations.com slash critical mass, and you'll see a little landing page, and we've got an offer for a, um, a free accountability plan. A lot of our clients are using this. You know, one of the issues we talked about was excuse-making and the lack of accountability. This, this plan really focuses on peer accountability, so mm. just getting salespeople on your team to, to partner up and has a whole system on how to do that. So that's available, and then you know, if, if you want to learn, learn more about our firm while you're there, Certainly click around intelligentconversations.com. We've got all sorts of, of information about us and about the kinds of projects we've done, about success stories, uh, and, and like I said, um, various things you can read about and download and hopefully help you know, grow your organization and improve sales. Well, Mike, I appreciate the fact that your organization took the extra effort to create a custom landing page. I want to thank you for being a friend of the program, sharing just the you know, surface level of what you know about how you're helping CEOs of middle market companies to improve and grow their organizations through better sales and sales management. Uh, welcome to our critical mass business community, and again, appreciate your time on today's program. Well, thank you, Rick. It's been a pleasure. Have a good day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the goal of this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs who are running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. This show is brought to you by our valuable advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club of Costa Mesa. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts. Our producer is Crystal Nunley. And our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. Our social media manager is Asia Celestino. Our live events coordinator is Melissa Padanti, who is actually here in the studio with us today. Our VP of Sales is Rose Chimura, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business, or you want to refer a guest, or maybe advertise, please visit our radio show website, criticalmassforbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host... Richard Franzi. 